Over the last several weeks, we have been having testimonies given to us on how Jesus has made a difference in our life. And I uh, am glad to share some time this morning with Colby Allen. Colby uh, is a young man that, that uh, came to us the summer before his senior year of high school. He's an 09 graduate of, of Fort Scott High School. And uh, Jesus, I remember, made a big difference in his life. And, and that has continued to be his story over these years since that time. And so, would you welcome Colby? He's going to share with you his story. Can you hear me? There we go. Hey, it is so good to see so many faces. Thank you for uh, warmly welcoming me back and... um, yeah, it's, it's really good to be here. Um, I want to say thank you, first of all. It's been a, a little while since I've been here. Uh, my wife Megan and I have been in Chicago helping to plant a church uh, over the last two years. And Community Christian has been such a blessing and support to, uh, to us. And so I want to say a huge thank you. Um, yeah, and Kevin asked me, what is Jesus, uh, how has Jesus changed your life? What difference has he made in, in your life? And, and when I think about that question, I think about trajectory. Um, the, what direction was I heading and what direction am I now heading? Um, following Jesus really is a journey. Um, it's not black and white. It's not perfect. It's not pretty. It's, it really is messy. And I'm really messy. I don't know about you guys and, and your journey so far with Jesus or um, if you uh, know Jesus or if you're walking with him, but, but my life is really messy and it's not perfect. And so I'm not standing here this morning because I'm perfect, but I'm standing up here this morning because Jesus took my life as a high school senior when I went to CIY and literally just flipped the direction I was heading. Um, I was born and raised here in Fort Scott, and uh, my parents, um, they love me so much, um, but they're in their own journey as well. Um, and so I grew up in a, in a home um, that, was, that was pretty broken. It was pretty dysfunctional. My, uh, my parents were never married, and I have siblings, you know, spread out all over the place, lots of them. Um, and so my home was dysfunctional, um, to say the least. Um, I wasn't a Christian. I didn't grow up here at Community Christian. I didn't have really any frame of reference for what that even meant to, to know Jesus or to love him or... Uh, to walk with him. Um, and so, um, I was, but I was, I was heading down a pretty rough path. Um, and so, um, there was, there was generational sins in my life that, um, that you can trace back to my great, great grandparents and, and to see, um, those same things in my grandparents and in my parents and, and, and they were coming in my life. And so, um, I don't want to, paint the normal testimony picture of like, I was soon to be strung out on drugs and I was soon to be homeless. Um, but it's actually potentially worse. I, um, I was nearing the end of college and I very well could have been successful at the things that I wanted to be successful at. And, uh, Jesus really saved me from that because in that life, um, I was, I was destined for emptiness and I was destined for hopelessness. Um, because those things won't fulfill you. Those things um, never will fulfill you. 
Um, so, yeah. So Jesus really has just completely uh, shifted and uh, changed the direction of my life, and he's broken those, uh, those generations of sin. Um, yeah. Um, so I've been walking uh, with Jesus for eight years now, which is super exciting. Uh, my wife and I are about to have our first baby. We've been married for four years, and um, it's just really exciting that I get to I get to wake up every day um, and and be I have purpose in my life, which is um, which is huge. And that that's what Jesus has really given me is is purpose, um, where I would have hopelessness and no purpose, um, fleeting purpose otherwise. So, yeah. Jesus has changed my life drastically. Thank you, Colby. His next step, he's getting ready to start a youth ministry in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Uh, You start the 1st of August, is that right, Colby? So uh, keep Colby and Megan in your prayers as they begin this journey of service to the Lord. A young man wanted to go off to college and study at a pretty liberal university. His father was very conservative, so this made for a clash between the two of them quite often. The father would say to his son, so you're going off to that liberal school? They're going to fill your mind with all kinds of foolish ideas. You're going to go there and and you're going to end up not even believing in the Bible. When you come out of there, you're not going to believe in Genesis. You're going to deny Jonah. It's going to be a total waste of time and money for you. And the son would respond to his dad, Dad, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's where I'm going to school. And he did. He went away to that liberal university and he didn't come home for a year and a half. He and his dad did not have a good relationship and so the son just stayed away. Finally, he came home to visit. He walked through the door and instead of his dad welcoming him home and and loving on him like he should have, instead the dad said, well, you've gone off to that liberal university. I suppose you don't believe in the Bible now. You don't believe in Genesis. You don't believe in Jonah. And the son said, yeah, dad, you're right. I just don't believe Jonah actually happened. I I think it's a great story. It's a story that one can read and learn from from it. But I, I don't think he actually got swallowed by a whale. And the dad said, see, I told you this would happen. You fill your mind with with the world's foolishness. And now you don't even believe in the Bible. And the son said, dad, I, I'll tell you what. Why don't you go and get your Bible off of the shelf and let's sit down and read the book of Jonah together. I know it's one of your most favorite books in the Bible. You can tell me why you think it really happened and then I'll tell you why I think it's just a good story to learn from. And the dad took him up on the challenge. He said, okay, I'm in. He went and got his Bible off of the shelf. They sat down together. The dad opened up his Bible and he began to struggle to find the book of Jonah. 
And he's searching for it, and, and he's a little bit embarrassed over that fact. The son is just sitting there waiting. He's not saying a word. The dad then turns to the table of contents. He sees the page number that Jonah is on. He turns to that page number, and lo and behold, it's not there. He's looking. He's trying to figure it out. He said, the book of Jonah, somebody's cut it out of my Bible. It's, it's not there. Who would do that? I love this book. The son said, actually, Dad, it was me. I cut Jonah out of your Bible a year and a half ago. And you're just now figuring it out. And so let me ask you this question. What is the difference between me denying the Bible and you ignoring the Bible? And I'm thinking that was one of those moments where the question went to the very deepest part of the father's heart cutting him to the very quick i mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago as i preached to you that satan does not want us in the word of god he'll do anything he can to keep us out of this book because he knows that if this book gets into us then the chances are much greater that God is going to have His way in our heart. And so Satan is trying his best to keep that from happening. He's working hard to keep you out of this book. And he doesn't want me in this book either. He'll, he'll try to distract us. He'll, he'll gladly assist us in helping us to be, to be busy, to be uh, so involved in, in other things that maybe we're just too tired to be in the book at the end of the day. We must recognize Satan's tactic and resist him and determine to be a student of this book and to hear what God is saying to us. He wants to speak to you through this book. This book will change our life if we let it. I want to read to you from Acts chapter 13 beginning with verse 49. We're going to read into chapter 14 through verse 7. And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust of their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. In Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed, both of Jews and of Greeks. But the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. Therefore, they spent a long time there speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord, who was testifying to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. And some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and to stone them, they became aware of it and fled to the cities of Lyconia, Lystra, and Derbe and the surrounding region. And there they continued to preach 
the gospel. Let me highlight for you just a few points from the text that we have just read. The first point would be this. The word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. And that is what we are to do with the word of the Lord. We are to give it away. We are to share it with other people. We are not to hold it to ourselves. I was visiting with a lady in the nursing home a couple of weeks ago. Her husband was sitting there in the room with her. I knew that he wasn't a Christian based on what his wife had told me in previous conversations. And this is the first time that I had had the opportunity to meet this fellow. And he's sitting there and we're talking back and forth with one another, just chit-chatting about just the weather and, and... and everyday stuff. And as I was talking to him, I sensed that the Lord wanted me to be bold and to ask him if he was a Christian. And so I did. I I obeyed the Lord's prompting. I knew that God wanted me in that conversation with him. And so I just flat out asked him. I called him by name. I said, hey, are you a Christian? He said, well... (laughs) After the shock of the question wore off a little bit, he says, well, I have to be honest with you. No, I'm not a Christian. And I thought his honesty was a good thing. And the Lord was prompting me to go further in that conversation with him and to to try and nudge the door open just a little more. I said to him, would you mind if I would talk with you about that? Could I share with you from God's Word what it means to be a Christian, how to become a Christian, what that really looks like? Do you know what he said to me? He said, yeah, I'd, I'd be okay with that conversation. You know, sometimes all it takes is for us to nudge the door just a little bit. There are people out there who will listen to us. I had a fellow two Sundays ago come up to me here at church asking me to help him know what to say to his neighbors that he had been witnessing to them. If we're willing to spread the news, there are people out there who will listen to us. And we do have some good news to share, don't we? Boy, do we have some good news that that the world needs to hear. You know, we have the greatest love story known to man that we can share with them. We have the answer to world peace. And how to have peace within? And does the world ever need to hear that? As we see just day after day, the the disruptions around the world, the, the terrorist acts and the killings and all that is going on around the world. Does the world ever need such a message as what we have? This message of peace. We have that message. We can share it with them if we will. We have the solution to prejudice. Did you you hear me say that? We have the solution to prejudice. That seems to be something right now that the world doesn't even have a clue about. We have the answer that the world needs. And the answer is Jesus. He is the one who can break down the dividing walls. He is the one who can take one group who is separated from the other and bring them together. We have that message. 
We have the truth about where one can find contentment and satisfaction. We know how to find forgiveness and how to be set free from our past addictions. It's all centered in Jesus Christ. Why wouldn't we share that message with the world who needs to hear it? Now, our natural inclination is if we find something that really excites us, then we spread that message to others. If I find a good place to eat, and it's for a reasonable price, and the service is good, and the, the whole evening uh, just is a good experience, you know what I'm going to do when I walk out of that restaurant? I'm going to be willing to share it with those people that I come into contact with. I'm going to tell friends about it. I'm going to tell neighbors about it. And we, and we do that with most everything. If we go to a movie that we really like, what do we do? We tell others about that movie. If, if, we, if we find a good mechanic who can fix our problem with the car and he's reasonable, we're willing to share that with others. We're excited about that kind of news, aren't we? If you have a recipe that you have found and you fix, you follow that recipe and it really works and you take that dish to the family reunion that you're a part of and everybody is raving over it and they're asking you for the, for the recipe, what do you do with it? You share it with them. You're you're glad to give it to them because you want people to enjoy that dish over and over again. And that is exactly what we should be doing with the good news of Jesus Christ. We spread the news. We share it. We give it away because so many out there need to hear it. I want to ask you, are you spreading the good news of Jesus Christ to your whole region? That's what we see going on here in the book of Acts. It's sad if we are willing to talk with people about those things that really don't matter a whole lot, but we're unwilling to talk with them about the thing that matters the most, and that's Jesus. We have the good news. The world needs the good news. Let's share it. Let's spread The good news. Let me give to you a second point from this text. When we spread the good news about Jesus, there is going to be one of two responses. And we see both of those responses in our text that we read earlier. Chapter 13, verse 48 says, As many as as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Well, that's, that's good. That's up here. I'm, people are coming to Jesus. They have open hearts and open minds to come to Jesus. But two verses later, verse 50 of chapter 13, it says there is a movement of both men and women who are stirred up to persecute Paul and Barnabas. Then you get into chapter 14, verse 1. It says a large number of people believed both of Jews and Greeks, well, you're back up here. That's good news. Large numbers of people are willing to believe in Jesus. But the very next verse says, But the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. And it's that way through this whole text that we have just read. You have people who are coming to Christ. They're believing. Their hearts are open. Their ears are open. And then on the other hand, you have people who are stirring up the crowd and They're wanting to persecute Paul and Barnabas. 
Verse 4 says of chapter 14, the people of the city were divided and some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. There will always be one of two responses when you share the good news of Jesus Christ with people. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that that there will always be a definite yes or a definite, definite no. Some will say, well, let, me, let me think about this for a little while. And that's what the fellow at the nursing home said to me. As I, as I shared with him about Jesus and, and what it means to be a Christian and how to become a Christian, as I finished, I said to him, what do you think? Are you, are you interested in this? And he was quick to say to me, let me think about this for a little while. And that's good. I mean, I was, I was glad with that because he needs to think about it. He needs to know the decision that is before him. He doesn't need to just jump into it without thought. And so when someone says, let me think about it for a while, we need to give them the time that they need. Now, I think, uh, I think he's really serious about thinking about it. And so I will nudge him again here in the near future. I'll give him time to think about it. But he's, he's a pretty old fella. And, and he, he himself even said to me, I don't know how many days I have left here on this earth. And I said to him, all the more reason for you to think about what we've talked about today. I think he will think about it. And I'll nudge him a little bit towards Jesus. You know... For most people, it is a process, this decision to follow Jesus. It is a process. When I planted my garden this spring, the seeds didn't come up the next day. They, they, needed, they needed some time in the dirt. They needed watering. They needed some sunshine and, and needed patience on my part. They needed uh, me to just sit back and wait and to pray. And a weed. And, and, and they eventually germinated and, and they grew. What, while that's happening with people, when, when they are thinking about Jesus, we need to be praying for them. In fact, a prayer gathering would be a good thing to combine our prayers together. Did you hear about the little boy who went to his dad, he asked him if he would be willing to come to the school the next afternoon. He said there's supposed to be a little gathering there. And the dad said, well, what kind of little gathering are they wanting to have at the school? And the boy answered, I think it's supposed to be you and me and the principal. <laughs> a little gathering. We need to have some little gatherings of prayer in behalf of those who need Jesus in their life. Did you know that happens now every Sunday morning as we are in here worshiping and, and the preaching is happening and you're listening to the Word of God being preached? There are people in another room praying every service. And that's a good thing. Little gatherings of prayer. One of the things they're praying about is for, 
for lost people to hear the Word of God and to be saved. When God's Word is spread, there is going to be a response from those who have heard. Let me ask you this question, though. How do you respond if there is opposition? I I see four responses in this text that we have read out of the book of Acts. First response would be this. When there is opposition, you need to rely on the Lord. I need to rely on the Lord. Acts 14.2 talks about opposition to Paul and Barnabas as they are preaching in Iconium. And the very next verse, verse 3 says, Therefore they spent a long time there speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord. Isn't that true? We need Him when people oppose us. We need His wisdom and how to respond to them. We need His strength. We need His tactfulness. We need His Holy Spirit to guide us in what to say and what to do. We need His courage. When people oppose us, we need His Courage. I I was listening to a sermon online just over the last few weeks, and the preacher who was preaching that sermon asked this question to his congregation if they knew what command was most given in the Bible. Got any thought about that? Do Do you know what command is most given in the Scripture more than any other command? It's not love your neighbor, although that's, that's right there at the top. But do you know what command is most given in Scripture? It's do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do you know how many times that command is given in Scripture? In one form or another, do not be afraid, be not afraid, you know, there's there's different different gr- grammatical ways in which it is said, but do you know how many times this command is given in Scripture? Three hundred and sixty-five times. One time for every day of the year. Do not be afraid. If we're going to submit to that command, we're going to have to rely on Him and the strength and the courage that He will provide to us even in the face of opposition. So, what response should you have when opposition comes against you? Rely on Him. Let me give to you a second response. And that is, keep on preaching the truth. Let me read to you from Acts chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Saying, this is is Peter, or actually the high priest is speaking here. He says, he's speaking to Peter. He says, we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. 
You go back one chapter to chapter 4, Peter said, we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. That's Peter. Well, Paul had the same attitude. He had the same determination that he was not going to be controlled or intimidated by the opposition that came against him. And he, he faced a lot of opposition. He was threatened. He was beaten. He was knocked down. But every time that he was knocked down, he got back up and he was continuing to preach the gospel. In the text that we read earlier, verses 5 through 7, the Jews and the Gentiles were set against Paul. They were intending to mistreat him and stone him, the text says. What did he do? It does say that he went to another city. He got away from that threat But then, verse 7 says, and there in that new city, they continued to preach the gospel. They could not, would not be silenced. They were like the prophet Jeremiah of old who said, His word is in my heart. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. What's he saying? He's saying, I I can't keep quiet. I can't hold it in. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, For the love of Christ compels us. A footnote in my Bible on that verse says, For the love of Christ urges us on. In other words, when we realize how great His love is for us, then we should be compelled to tell others. We, We should not keep quiet about this good news. Even if somebody opposes us, even if somebody is trying to squelch us, we should not keep quiet. This is news that the world needs to hear. Here's another response to opposition. And this one might surprise you. We should run. You say, what? Yeah. Sometimes the best response is to get out of Dodge. And Paul did that more than once. At the end of chapter 13, as persecution was mounting, it says that they shook the dust off of their feet from that city and they went to another city to preach the gospel. Chapter 14, it says they, began, they became aware of the intentions of the Jews to stone them and they fled to a different city. In just a few verses that we've read today, we see two different times that Paul runs away from the the danger. This, This may be different message than what you thought I might be saying to you today, but sometimes running away it's not necessarily an ungodly thing to do. Sometimes it's the smart thing to do. Which leads me to a fourth response when opposition comes. Find a more receptive audience. If the person to whom you've been trying to talk to about Jesus is just not receptive, if they're flat out against you speaking to them, or, or they're, they're just against Jesus, then go to someone else who might be more receptive. 
Don't spin your wheels with someone who is dead set against hearing the gospel. Maybe that's what Jesus meant when he said, don't cast your pearls before swine or give what is holy to dogs. There are people out there who are ready and willing to listen to what you have to say to them. And so Jesus is saying, don't spin your wheels with somebody who's just not going to listen. Go to somebody who will listen. Does that mean we never speak to this person? Not necessarily. We, we need the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our life because the Word of God can break the hardest of hearts. And so He may would have us speak the message to that person, but if they are just flat resistant, then let them alone. Leave the Word time to speak to them, to soften their heart, and you go to somebody else who's willing to hear what you have to say. And you see that with Paul over and over again in Scripture. I want to ask you as we come to a close this morning, will you, will you speak the good news of Jesus? Will you spread this good message that he has imparted to us? Don't hold it inside. Spread it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for entrusting to us this message of grace. It's a message that we must tell. So lay that upon our heart. Help us to understand the responsibility that you've given to us and help us to know that there are people out there just, they, they may not even realize they're they're wanting it and needing it so badly, but Lord, just bring us together. Would you give us some divine appointments? That we could share the news of Christ with people. In Jesus' name we pray.